Hi friends. So I know it's been a while since we last talked and if you're following me along on social media, then you know it's been a really fucking big month. And that is because August just launched a Target, which is so big and feels so surreal. And the last three weeks since we announced August being at Target simultaneously feels like, you know, the accurate three weeks that it is, but it also feels like three years have gone by because this shit has been exhausting. I'm still sleeping the amount that I want to be sleeping and I'm still keeping up with, you know, my weekly coaching and or therapy and I'm taking care of myself. I'm eating well. I'm sticking to my self-care things. But with all of that, I'm still fucking tired. And I think that this is probably the first time that I felt like just like this not I'm not burnt because I'm well rested and I'm happy and I'm like feeling really good about the habits that I have. But I think that the work of launching in Target and the pressure of seeing how we might do and also the pressure of just like navigating a world of business that I just have never experienced before. It's it's exhausting. And I think that the work of doing content you know, is often underestimated in terms of like how much it takes of yourself, but it's like, it's a full body exercise to make content. And when you're doing that like all day for weeks at a time, it feels like years go by. And so, yeah, it's been quite a crazy last few weeks, but y'all have been in my mind and I've been wanting to catch up because we have so much to discuss. But yeah, so I basically just been, you know, we launched on April 10th. We spent the first week like making content, doing a lot of announcements that whole week in New York. And then we went to Philly for a week. And then I've been back in the city, you know, and slowly kind of navigating, getting back into like traveling for work over the last few days. But I am also really excited because it is the first week of May and May is probably one of my favorite months of the entire year not only because you know spring weather is here and it's getting nicer and it's you know the time of year where you have some chilly days it keeps you on your toes but like the summer weather is coming in but it's not too hot yet so I really love May just for the weather alone but I also really love May because it is mental health awareness month and it is also Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. And, you know, I think that if you've been following along on the podcast journey along the last like two years that we've been here, you know, it's been quite a long journey of not only coming to terms with the fact that I'm Asian American and, you know, trying to decipher what that actually means in the context of this world, but it's been a long journey just getting to a point where I'm so proud of being Asian American. And I think that one of the symptoms of having the anti-Asian hate and discrimination over the last few years, I think if there was a positive symptom, and you know, I'm not saying I'm thankful that it happened, but I think that I have to recognize that I think the hardships that our community faced over the last few years have also pushed me and so many other like Asian siblings that I have to really find our communities. Because I think that for me, especially growing up in predominantly white spaces, I never felt a reason beyond my own loneliness, which I kind of grew to accept, to really cling on to communities of people that looked like me. But when the anti-Asian discrimination, we started to see a lot more in mainstream media over the last 
few years, that was a time when I recognized how not lonely I was um, and seeing more Asian Americans speak out. But also it was a time of like desperate measures where it felt like we needed community to survive and to like stand up for justice too. So I feel like, you know, it's only been honestly like three or four years of my life where I've been able to celebrate like an Asian American Heritage Month while also feeling like proud of my race, my ethnicity, my roots. And because of that, like May just gets better and better. Like last year, I, you know, had, you know, a growing group of close friends of Asian Americans and Asians, you know, who are from overseas in New York City where I could celebrate with them. And now I feel like because of the positive aspects of social media, but also the founder world, like being a founder, some of my closest friends and allies have been other Asian American founders. And I think the nature of that is we do have so many life experiences and aspects of our identity and um, experiences with discrimination or assumptions made about us on social media. Like I've gravitated towards really finding and relying on the community that I have of other Asian founders, whether that be in, you know, founder groups like Asians Away From Keyboards, which was founded by a few friends of mine, all the way to exploring new groups through like really amazing nonprofits in New York City, like Apex and, you know, a few others that are hosting some incredible events this month. And so, yeah, I'm feeling really like hopeful and excited, like coming off of April, which was just fucking crazy getting Target off the ground. And, you know, we're still pushing, we're still going to be grinding, but I feel like we've kind of spent the last three weeks just getting a reality check of what this experience was going to be like. And now I'm like gearing up for May and I love May. So yeah, it's been really, really fun. But speaking of incredible organizations, what I wanted to talk about today is actually imposter syndrome and some new thought provoking things that I heard about imposter syndrome recently, actually through the nonprofit organization I just mentioned, Apex. So I've done episodes about having imposter syndrome. I feel like I've I very publicly identified with not only this term imposter syndrome and feeling like I have it, but I've also very publicly, like even in this podcast, explained my diagnosis of borderline personality disorder. I've explained it to people who have never heard of BPD before as basically having like crippling imposter syndrome and having that be like the baseline of my emotions and something that I'm like very, very keen on working on. And when I was at the Apex Gala, for a little bit of context, Apex is this really incredible organization based here in New York that is all about supporting underserved Asian American youth in just doing everything from exploring what they want to do with school and getting ready for college and mentorship programs, super, super dope organization. So I was at this gala And the gala, you know, of course, is their annual big event where they bring a bunch of rich Asians together and influencers and just notable people and they bring them all together to like donate money. And so I was at this gala and at the gala, they were awarding two different people, one of whom was the incredible, iconic, queer icon poet uh, Ocean Vuong. I think I'm saying his right name right. I need to look that up. I'm, I really hope I'm not butchering it. But I mean, Ocean Vuong is someone that I've followed for years because, you know, obviously I studied him in college in a few different courses, but also I think just in the world of, you know, seeking out a lot of opportunities for learning in the sort of 
Asian American author space. And of course, Ocean Vuong's speech is just as magical as all of his writing. And I'm saying that as someone who is like, I'm not a poetry person. I do not read poetry in my free time. I don't really understand it. I feel like I don't have any friends who are super into poetry either. Like it's just not in my orbit of like social life or interests, but it has been something that I've had to read in college and I feel like I can appreciate it. But I love speeches and of course I loved Ocean's speech and in his discussion he touched on a few things that really resonated with me. One is that he talked about even with all the literature awards that he's ever been given that the Apex Award was the most meaningful to him and he said it was because most of the awards are because of the product that you have created. It's about you know you as a person, it's about the awardee being recognized for something that they have done and output and productivity into the world. But there's not a keen, you know, focus on what the impact of that work was. And what Ocean was pointing out of why the award meant so much to him is that it was from a organization that specifically was recognizing not the quality of the product that he created or the magnitude of success that the product had reached, but specifically recognizing the profound impact that the work has had on other people. And I think that is something that I've been thinking about a lot over the last week since I returned home from that gala, because just looking at the awards or like types of recognition that I've gotten, I think that something, you know, I've one got at points in my life got really addicted to was like the external validation of reaching milestones for the sake of reaching milestones. And struggling to stay really grounded in like the why of why I was doing that, which was like to have an impact on a community that I was one, a part of, and two, deeply cared about. And if I look back at all the awards that I've gotten or like how I'm introduced, you know, before speeches when people say like, oh, introducing Nadia, Forbes 30 under 30, Bloomberg 50 wants to watch, like when all these things are listed off, I don't have any like emotional reaction to it. Like it just kind of feels like, "Mm, yeah, like, it's a press moment. It's a cool thing to be able to put on a bio, but like it's, I don't have an emotional reaction to it. And as Ocean was talking about, you know, his reaction to getting this award from Apex, which is an incredible organization, but is not like a global national recognized organization. Like it's an incredible New York based organization. And as he was talking about this, like for me as someone who knows him as this like globally recognized author, who's won some of the most prestigious literature awards it was really interesting for to hear him say like how winning those other awards almost felt like empty if I'm paraphrasing because I think that that's something that I felt like gave me vocabulary to really understand maybe why I lost kind of fulfillment from all those accolades and awards where it didn't always evoke some sort of big emotion in me I mean of course I'm grateful of course it's exciting but I've never had this like profound like wow this is really meaningful to me like this is why I do what I do and honestly I think if you were to ask me before I heard Ocean speak like how I would describe that my reaction to that I'd probably say something like 
oh, maybe it means that I'm out of touch with my emotions or I'm ungrateful or maybe I'm a workaholic. I'm not really like understanding, you know, the significance of this or like I don't really like the attention, which is a lie. Like I need to be real with myself. I love attention. I mean, I'm a freaking content creator, but I think that when I heard Ocean Talk, I think that it kind of put into perspective for me that maybe it's that I don't feel so much for those types of accolades and awards because it hasn't been an award specifically from like a community that I identify with where the award is specifically recognizing the impact my work has had. So again, I think like when I've gotten recognition, it's like, Nadia who did this and published this book and you know started this company but I don't think that I've felt connected to it because it's not like oh the impact of the book has been x the company has had the effect of x on a certain amount of people and here are personal anecdotes about it and I think that's a good thing like as Ocean was talking about it I felt I was admiring him and I think that kind of reflecting on myself I started to just have vocabulary to just be grateful and then also just, I think, release some of the frustration or like emptiness I felt about past successes. And I think that that's something that I've definitely had in my mind as I've had people who are not the nicest voices in my head or like, you know, in my circles say that I'm like super ungrateful or the people who care about me a lot, like my mom or my partner, who I think bring up these awards in the context of why can't you slow down and just like recognize that you've done a lot and you don't need to keep feeling like worthless or like you don't deserve a lot of this or you've already done enough and you can like quit and just go live on a farm or something. And yeah, and I think that that this is just something that I've been thinking about a lot and I apologize if I'm stumbling in my words. It's just been kind of at top of mind and something that I've been really reflecting on over the last week. And then the second thing that really I think was a breakthrough moment for me was hearing Ocean talk about imposter syndrome. And I'm totally going to paraphrase this. And so please do not quote me as a direct thing. I'm going to try to find actually the video of his acceptance speech and share it on my socials because it was truly amazing. But Ocean said something like, I am often asked if I have imposter syndrome. And he then dissects his kind of challenging grappling with the term imposter syndrome. And he says, having the term imposter syndrome pathologizes the very real emotions of the person who is breaking boundaries, right? He talks about how he is entering a space of mainstream literature that and these, you know, big, predominantly white institutions of literature and you know, he's a professor at NYU and, you know, is recognized at very high levels of literature. He talks about how these spaces were not created for me. They weren't created with him in mind as an immigrant, as a queer person, as a creative. They weren't created for him. And of course, if he enters a space that's not created for him, it is natural to be alienated and feel alienated because you are. You are coming in as an outsider and you are demanding to have space as you should. And that is a very real emotion and something that should hold the institution accountable for evolving and becoming more inclusive and be built for more diverse communities. But the term imposter syndrome negates that. Saying imposter syndrome pathologizes makes it sound like an illness 
in the context of the outsider who is coming in. It's recognizing that whoever is experiencing this quote-unquote imposter syndrome is the one that needs to do the work. That the feelings of unworthiness are not because of the community that they're around, the lack of acceptance that they might feel, the discrimination that they might be experiences or the barriers of oppression and systemic oppression that are in their way, but that this imposter syndrome is only in the responsibility of the individual to change. And I thought that was such an incredible thing to say. And I have never heard that. And as someone who has so publicly identified with imposter syndrome, talked about it, explained my freaking diagnoses with the term imposter syndrome, I felt like this was a really big breakthrough moment and I'm not saying that I, you know, don't have work to do. I have so much work to do in my own journey of self-worth. But I think that what Ocean said also felt like a weight lifted off my shoulders in the sense of, oh, there's not something wrong with me. In the things that I feel imposter syndrome, whether that be being a VC-backed entrepreneur, being a Harvard grad, being an author, being a content creator, being in influencer spaces, which are predominantly white, in the context of just getting into higher rooms of professional success where there are less and less people who look like me. I've always beat myself up over having imposter syndrome. I've always struggled in therapy to explain why I don't feel worthy of the opportunities I'm given. And I spiral into this dark thinking of self-diagnosing myself and even being diagnosed with different conditions that can try to explain. I don't want to say this word broken but like that's the first word that comes into my mind where I tell myself that this is an issue with my mind this is an issue where I feel broken because I do not feel like I deserve this spot I don't deserve this space I don't deserve this recognition and what Ocean said helped me not only forgive myself but also kind of like turn with motivation to the spaces that I'm occupying with further confidence to realize like maybe I don't feel like these emotions that I have of not feeling like I deserve this spot in a boardroom or whatever is not because there's something wrong with me and it's not because they're, I'm broken in some way. It's because that the way that this table in this boardroom was created was without me in mind and not only that but historically built so that people like me as a person of color as a woman are not welcome at this table so do i deserve this spot from a human perspective yes i worked hard i'm qualified but do i deserve this spot in the eyes of the people who created this table no and that issue is not on me that issue was on the other people at the board table to figure out. And I'm just using the board table. I'm not actually thinking of any specific board. I need to clarify that. So that that's, I hope that makes sense. But like the way Ocean said it when he did it so much more gracefully than I did was truly so eye-opening and felt like a major like catalyst for a breakthrough of confidence. And it felt really, really powerful to be thinking about this alongside a lot of like the coaching that I'm doing where I have been really trying to think about you know, self-affection and like self-worth and things like that. So anyways, I really wanted to share it with all of you. And yeah, with that, I will try to find the acceptance speech and share it with all of you because it is so, so, so worth listening to. Anyways, 
I gotta go to sleep because you know I need my eight to 10 hours a night and I will talk to y'all later. I would love to hear what you think. So please text me, email me. My email is in my bio. I really try to respond to every single person who writes in and I wanna know what you're thinking. What are your reactions? Where do we go from here? And also if you have any suggested reading about this because I feel like I have a lot more learning to do on this. Bye y'all.